commit to the play and don't feel like you're the worst one in the class. It's really cool to kind of see them think outside of the box. Sometimes those okay. criticisms aren't necessarily right. It's a great idea, but it has to be educational. Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Green Room. I'm your host, Wesley Schofield, and today we are talking tech and makerspace and gaming with our very own Isaac Garay. Garay, okay. <laughs> so the first question I just want to hop into immediately is just explain to them what you do here. Well, I'd like to think I'm just an IT computer technician guy, but I do so much more here at the studio. I have basically taken on the responsibilities of SmartMaker, which used to be mainly managed by uh, Mary de Grazia, which also had a, had a podcast. She's mm-hmm. one of the first ones, right? I think she was the first one. Yeah, the very first one. <laughs> and um, so now I try to come up with the ideas for projects and I organize the parts. I put the kits together. I try my best to get all that done before like the week before it starts so that you can get some marketing going for it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard though with everything else that I do. I manage the website. So I'm keeping the events up to date, make sure the information is accurate. I can never remember what I put on there. So I always have to check it. There's so much. Um, also with the movies, keep the posters there, the movie times and dates and stuff. I also basically anything that deals with technology here, managing the computers, um, updating the software, anything that a computer technician does, that's basically what I do here. Hmm. There's probably more, but I can't think of anything that off the top of my head. Yeah, probably. So I just want to know what kind of like what time frame like how old you were and what was the the starter to what got you into technology uh i was starting to get into pc gaming towards the middle or end of my senior year in high school uh before i had a ps3 a wii just all the basic consoles i originally actually i originally was a pc gamer on my dad's laptop um anyone who has heard of star siege tribes that was my first shooter on the pc and i was really in love with it it was Mm -hmm. really fun basically a a jetpack shooter is what it would be called yeah and um from then went to my sister's super nintendo and then my brother's ps1 my sister's xbox it's all my sibling stuff i never had my own stuff (laughs) had a psp a game boy advance a ds original and going back up to my uh, my senior year, I really wanted to get my own gaming PC. At that point, I wasn't comfor- uh, comfortable with building my own. Mm-hmm. But uh, I ended up saving enough money, selling my old electric guitar, and getting myself an Alienware Alpha, which is like a very small, really console-like box, about the same power as a PS4. Mm-hmm. And I was blown away by all the customization that you can do on a PC. And I realized the base model that I bought, it was the cheapest option, like around $400. I couldn't play a few games that I really wanted to, like Planet Side 2. It, re- it needed more RAM. I only had 4 gigs, and mm-hmm. 8 gigs was recommended. So did my research, went online on Amazon, got a 8 gig, 2 4 gig sticks of RAM kit. I opened up my PC. I was so scared. I thought <laughs> I was going to like short something out yeah. or uh, statically shock something and kill it. But I took out the old RAM, put in the new RAM, booted it up, and realized that I just did my first upgrade. And from then on, that just kind of kick-started 
my drive for PC building and stuff like that, which is my main hobby now. Mm. I love building PCs, upgrading hardware. That's what I prefer to do. You built this one right behind us, actually. Yep. And uh, several of the other machines in the office. And you've kind of built a machine for almost everyone that works at the company at this point. Like, geez, everyone's coming to you. The first one I built was Amanda's, I think, her Mm -hmm. office PC. And then the four beefed up office PCs that Josh and Gary now use. And, of course, the VR machine behind us right now. Mm -hmm. So gaming definitely was the jump starter for you and i've noticed after watching you build a lot of these you are very very thorough what kinds of like education were you like finding these from just online tutorials or were you taking classes reading books like how did you know what to do everything at the beginning was youtube some articles online just random tech stuff that i could Mm -hmm. find eventually i did go to college and took one no, two semesters of uh, a PC class. The curriculum was pretty out, out, out of date, though. It was like in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So I, I had some arguments with the professor a few times. I knew <laughs> I was right, but I didn't want to like drop yeah. my grade. Um, most of it was YouTube, basically. Awesome. Okay. And so I've heard you say this a few times, and I want you to really elaborate on it, that PC building and technology in general is Legos for adults. It's gotten to the point nowadays where you can... As long as you do the research and you know that the parts are compatible, mm-hmm. you can get all the parts together. Uh, everything is labeled. Everything is keyed. Like certain cables might look the same, but they're not going to fit into the wrong slot because they have like a filled in hole or something. Everything has a place. And as long as you follow the directions, you'll be putting together. Uh, you'll have the Lego bits put together into a sculpture, basically, mm-hmm. which is the PC. Gotcha. So maybe from the outside looking in, tech wouldn't be very creative because it's very analog it's just like plug here do this Mm -hmm. do whatever but watching you figure out the makerspace projects is very problem solving heavy a lot of trial and error what do you think the creativity is in a makerspace environment there's no one way of building a project for makerspace and the creativity comes when you look at it with your own personal perspective. You know what you want happen, like you know what you want to happen, mm-hmm. and you figure out how do I word this? Ba- there's basically just no one way. There's no set definitive way. There's no correct way of doing it. Mm-hmm. As long as you get it working, it's good, and you can you can do that in a certain like various number of ways it Hmm, interesting it just comes to personal taste i guess yeah there was one project that i made you you saw the handy bot right yeah yeah that's going to be our next smart maker project so i needed something that had personality i needed something that was basically a robot Mm -hmm. but not really because it's just doing a fixed number of commands in a loop so i said well let me just get three servos and that'll serve as three axes and put them together, build a Lego structure around it that makes it look like it's very important, even though it's not. <laughs> just give it give it that style, give it that personality, mm-hmm. have it move in certain ways that makes it seem like it's actually waving at a kid or 
you know, like looking up and down, like checking you out and, you know, observing you as if it had sensors, even though it doesn't. Yeah. It's like that was one of my proudest projects because I knew what I wanted to do. I didn't know exactly how, but I just threw things together and it actually turned out to be a pretty good project and kids thought it was really great. That's awesome. Because I've noticed, especially when we go out to these other schools or when the kids come in, like you explain like, hey, this does some lights, this does some sound, but you can kind of play with it. And the immediate like curiosity that they just like comes out is insane because you would think with like circuit boards and all this like coding stuff, it sounds way too complicated for anyone to, you know, just pick up and do. But the way we've been teaching it and presenting it to kids seems like it's, it's just a toy innately. And so you plug it in, you start coding and this light does this. Now it makes this sound and everyone immediately tries to make the most complicated music. I've all the time but like with um i think it was the the bubble blowing machines mm -hmm. with cochise that was so cool to watch like what like four or five groups make entirely different things and they all worked out eventually mm -hmm. but that problem solving i really like that project was probably the best one that we can do for cochise classes those couple of times that we've done it mm -hmm. the first time we had it with the eighth graders last year it was amazing to see the creativity and then building the Lego structure to like place the wand here with the servo, place the, the fan here, see if that'll work. If it doesn't work, move it closer, move it further away, move it to the side, whatever. And like have, have them, the, the eighth graders this year, actually someone made a duck. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Like the, the nose was the fan uh -huh. and the wand would just go in front of it. And the, the duck was blowing bubbles. That was kind of cool. That's amazing. Whenever something didn't work, um, there was a group of boys last year in the eighth grade that um, one of the motors, I think, yeah, it was the motor. The motor did not want to spin whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And come to find out, the wire that was attaching to the alligator clip, which then was attaching to the circuit board, um, was not delivering the power that it needed to. So they bypassed that by, I don't know, doing something else, either switching the wire or just like plugging it straight into the, the motor. I don't know exactly how they did it. I don't remember. But they realized that that was the issue themselves, mm -hmm. and they fixed it. And the trial and error, the troubleshooting, and the creativity of that project was really well-balanced. And sometimes a project is more coding-focused, and sometimes it's more design-focused, mm -hmm. like engineering-focused. That one, it was both. Like, they were in perfect harmony. With the coding, they were going back and forth, adjusting the angles, like, uh... Maybe that angle is a little bit too much. So let's tweak it a little bit. Or if that didn't work and they exceeded the range of the servo, they just manually moved it mechanically mm -hmm. to where it would be in the right spot and then do it again. And it was, it was really nice. That's so cool. So if I'm, let's say, I think I'm kind of into technology, but I'm intimidated. Like, what's a good at-home thing I could do myself to see if, like, I'm up to par to take on a computer or to build, like, a type of little robot there are there are a couple of different ways that you can go so um, the majority of the projects that we do here involve the circuit playground express which is really kid friendly and really beginner friendly Be <laughs> it went off again oh well beginner friendly because it um the interface is like basically puzzle pieces drag and drop and it is designed with kids in mind it is very mm -hmm. colorful very intuitive and uh it's probably the most basic and not you can do a lot more with it if you get more into circuit python coding but 
if not, you have that foundation, like you have that beginner entry level thing that you can do. Another route you can go is uh, through Arduino compatible hardware mm -hmm. because there's a lot of documentation. There's a lot of tutorials on that online. And it's it's probably a, a step above uh, MakeCode, but it is. they also have their own sort of drag and drop interface that is not quite as easy, but still easy enough to where a beginner can get into it. So kids and, I mean, adults even, who don't live in this area, but listen to this and may, they might want to try it, how much would it cost to get into some of this? With Circuit Playground Express, one by itself would be like around $20, $25. Or if you buy a kit that has a battery pack and a USB cable and the, the circuit board itself is around 30 mm -hmm. Uh Arduino is a lot cheaper, though. I've seen some Arduino Nano clones, like three of them, that are $8. So three separate ones that are just $8 altogether with oh, wow. cables and everything. Um, if you're going for price, Arduino is probably the, the best way to go. If you're going for ease of use, the Zergate Playground Express, I would recommend. Awesome. Okay. So tell me about VR. We, we <laughs> all kind of rely on you as the, the VR kind of guy, but what is VR? I've, you know, if anyone doesn't know, but, uh, what do you, what is your favorite thing about VR? So starting with what is VR? Well, VR as an acronym stands for virtual reality. So reality, but not real. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I know like, wow, blows your mind. It's basically the matrix, okay. but not that, not that far yet. <laughs> so, uh, current modern day VR is basically just strapping a headset to your head and getting the visual, the, um, Audil, is, is that a word? Audio, yeah, sure. I'll say Audil. If that's not a word, someone smack me. And um, to some extent, the physical senses as well. So those three senses are being applied to trick you into believing that you're in another world. Mm -hmm. So um, if anyone has heard of the Oculus Quest, that is probably the current best entry-level VR headset that you can buy because it gives you the full experience that you would with a PC and a self-contained, uh, completely standalone device that doesn't require any other hardware. Mm -hmm. That one's the wireless one, yeah? Yes. And the reason why I say the Quest and not the Go or not some cheap VR phone headset thing is because uh, it's the only one, not the only one, it's the only good one that is standalone and you're able to walk around in a room like you get the full six degrees of freedom. Mm -hmm. Six, three of them being rotational, that way, that way, and that way, uh, pitch, yaw, and roll. Mm -hmm. And the other three being positional X, Y, and Z movement. So you get that full immersive experience, like walking around your room, walking around a virtual space. And um, there's also quite a bit of content to be had on the Oculus Quest store. Mm -hmm. If you want to get a good workout, I recommend Beat Saber. Oh my gosh, yeah. So us getting ready for this Beat Saber competition coming up um, eventually. March 21st, I think. Yes. So, oh, this will be out by then. Yeah. So everyone get hyped for that. Um, us trying to record the promotional material for that, you're clearly the best one at the game. I mean, no one else really plays it. but uh, No one else here, at least. There is one kid who might be at my level or above my level somewhere in the schools. Dude, playing that game for five seconds is exhausting immediately. And then I watch you play for like 30 minutes at a time. You're going nuts. What is... So what's your favorite thing about VR? Um, just like, because when I play it, 
it's it's the most immersive kind of experience ever. I mean, I mean, like I have a, a decent gaming headset at home, but everything else is very button pushy analog. And uh, when you play in VR, it's just you really do kind of believe you're there. Even with experiences that are not the most photorealistic looking, like for example, Rec Room, it's very cartoony. Mm-hmm. No one has legs. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, and um, but while playing Rec Room. Sometimes I have the feeling that I can lean on this sledge, but I don't because I'm smart enough to know that it's not real. But mm-hmm. I can, my my brain is convinced enough to believe that I can reach out and lean on this ledge or on this wall because it is so immersive. Immersive is like the buzzword, but it's like the only word that you can use to describe the experience. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're playing a regular video game or even watching a movie, if it's done right, you can have a sort of immersive experience by getting involved in the world that you're playing or watching getting involved with the story and the characters and like sort of feeling like you're part of that because you're interacting with it Mm -hmm. but in vr it is on a whole nother level because you are in there you are in the the world that you are interacting with things have real scale and even like playing skyrim jumping off of a hill or getting hit by a giant like (laughs) like your brain it's so easily tricked, but you do like you have that gut feeling of like I'm falling, mm-hmm. and like you don't want to do that, and so you avoid certain things, and like even sometimes like in rec room or something, just like ducking and kind of peeking around a corner, it's like in any other game, some games have like that kind of button button press to do that, but just the innate like instinct to be like boop, like it's. It's something I kind of I think people take for granted, but it's like amazing. Do you think VR is the future of games, or do you think it's going to stay in its own niche? Hard question. If the cost of entry continues to lower, because you know originally the Vive and the Rift CV1, they came out and they were like four or five hundred dollars for the headset. Actually, no, the Vive was eight mm-hmm. with the base stations and everything, and the Rift was six without any hand controllers at the time, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, there was that cost, plus the cost of a VR-ready PC at the time, which was like a GTX 970 and above, and an i5 and above, like a modern i5. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely not the most expensive, but like those costs together were really upwards of $1,000, and not, not anyone, not everyone besides enthusiasts would want to get involved with that. Nowadays, with the Quest being a thing that's only $400 for the base model, mm-hmm. more people are getting involved with it, and that is the number one highest-selling VR headset that I know of, at least. Oh, it wow. might have beaten the PSVR, too. So if the costs go down and the experiences, like the quality of the experiences and, and the games go up, I feel like it will be the future. Like it, It'll be an actual gaming medium that developers will go after the more that people adopt it because hmm. a part of me like when uh the the connect came out for xbox i thought it was it was neat but it felt more gimmicky same with like the wii like the wii was really fun wii sports best game of all time <laughs> but uh the fact that like motion control and like not even having a controller it felt i don't know not as responsive as i would like you know because like in any other game i like Button push, action. Button push, action. It's very, it's it's set. But with VR, especially like with this headset, 
it feels like that's starting to blend together because it's not just motion controls. It's not just like waving your arms like crazy. Like there's the the combination of the button push, which all the the way the buttons are arranged on there, beautiful, perfect. Like it's it's so natural you don't even have to think about it. I really like those controllers. They're amazing. I've tried the Vive ones. I've tried the Windows Mixed Reality one things. Mm-hmm. Those ones are by far my favorite that I've tried so far. I haven't tried the index controllers yet, which are supposed to be a lot better, but it'll just continue to get better. How do you think that going forward, let's say even like five to 10 years, the the blend of VR and just technology in general like will be introduced to the public? Because like, let's say it's something as technical as building your own PC, very hands-on, very careful work. But now that I would say coding, VR, all this stuff is becoming more accessible and a little bit more simple. What do you think our tech interactions are going to be like in five to 10 years? Things will definitely get easier, more mm-hmm. streamlined, I would say. Um, at, like PC building back in the 90s was not nowhere near as simple as it is today. Mm-hmm. So I think the further that technology gets more, more um, integrated, because before, let's say when you're building a PC in the, in the past, you need an add-in card for sound. You need an add-in card for networking. You need an add-in card for the display and all that stuff. Now all that is mostly integrated into, into the motherboard or into the processor itself. So that's less pieces to put together and less things to do, I guess, to get, <laughs> to get a machine up and running. Yeah. I think the same would apply to a lot of technology in general. Mm-hmm. it'll get more integrated it'll get just easier to maintain easier to manage i guess mm-hmm. i'm probably the wrong person to ask though because i'm not the smartest person when it comes to everything tech despite what people here think yeah gotcha <laughs> gotcha definitely just in the short time of like watching you put together pcs and watching you work on them like i've learned a lot just by observing not even actually having to do it um the only thing that always trips me up is terminology mm-hmm. everyone's always like yeah what kind of thing are you running in your pc i'm like I don't know. It's it's got a thing that it, spins. It, it lights <laughs> up. It's really cool. So I guess final little statement. If you're I guess knowing what you know now about technology and everything, what are maybe some helpful tips you can give to other people? As far as like learning more or getting involved with it? Yeah, just like in general, because like like we said, like the creativity of makerspace is really amazing and the ease of just computing in general nowadays is much easier. Mm -hmm. So with your experience and knowledge, how could you encourage someone else to get into it? Well, the internet is the largest collection of all of human knowledge and history and stuff. Use it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I got most of my information on the internet, on YouTube, on random tech sites and tech articles and tech publications and stuff like that. If you're really interested, just look it up. Uh, If you don't know how to do a specific thing, type, how do I do this specific thing? More than likely in the first page on Google or DuckDuckGo or whatever a search engine you use, it'll be there. The answer will be right there because people have have asked that question and people who already know how to do it have answered the question. And the knowledge is readily available to everyone who wants to receive it. Mm -hmm. And don't be afraid to fail. There were, I don't think I've ever killed a machine whenever I built it. Even my very first one that I built from scratch, I didn't kill it. 
but um i was really careful with it and stuff but there were machines that i worked on that had something die or my one my friends build we gathered all the parts together and one of the parts was dead on arrival so um don't be afraid to have things go wrong and if they do go wrong learn from it and just continue going forward one thing that i will say um while it is easy to learn the knowledge it's probably not as easy to get the funding to get a project going like putting together a pc mm -hmm. but there are there are ways around it there's a bunch of used or not working or like refurbished mach machines on ebay that you can find like not new ones but maybe second gen first gen intel parts or even like old amd parts that are lying around people don't really want them anymore because they're so old but if you really want to get involved with getting technology in general <laughs> i'd recommend looking on the used market on ebay and stuff because there's a, there's a lot to find on there awesome well thank you so much for sitting down with me uh if anyone is interested in what you're doing i guess online where could they find you uh here <laughs> <laughs> come to this physical location if you want to see them online i'm not very active on, yeah <laughs> i'm not very active on social media but um my email might be on the website somewhere. I'm not sure. Okay. My linked email that goes to my personal email, but it's not my personal email. Okay. <laughs> um, I guess leave a comment down below if you want to get more in touch. But otherwise, it's I'll figure out ways around that yeah. to reach out. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Oh, that was a bad one. Because <laughs> of this. <laughs> cool.